Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey, this is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie. And if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. We've also got an Instagram. It's called I Love That Movie Podcast. And we have a closed Facebook group called I Love That Movie. It's just a safe space for, safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films judgment-free. My only rule in there is keep it positive. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps new listeners find us. Uh, wanted to take a quick moment to thank our top supporters on Patreon, uh, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Chris Balga. Thank you guys so much uh, for your generous contributions. Um, if you want to check out ways to support the show, check out our Patreon page. Uh, lastly, we also have a Teespring uh, that's got shirts, bags, mugs, so that's another way you can support the show if you want to. Again, my content's free, but if you do sign up for our Patreon, you get a bonus episode each week of just my thoughts on pop culture media, um, you know, current movies and things like that. Uh, last two events I want to mention, October 4th at the Alamo Drafthouse in Richardson, there will be a showing of House of Ghosts. So come see us there. Christopher Armin will be screening his movie and there'll be a bunch of us there and it's going to be super fun, Halloween themed. It'll be great. And then my next plug is what we're talking about today, actually, which is DocuFest and that's October 3rd through 6th. And today I have on the show Bart Weiss. Say hi, Bart. Say hi, Bart. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and Bart, <laughs> yeah, and, and Bart, we've actually had you on the show before. I think we were talking about the same event last year. That and I think Cat Video Fest too, right? Cat uh, Fest? Yeah, Cat Fest. <laughs> Can't live without that. Yeah. Um, so if, if people haven't heard that episode yet, uh, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Um, so I'm Bart Weiss and I teach film and video at the University of Texas at Arlington. And if you're somebody who loves doc, uh, podcasts about, uh, about film, you should check out our podcast called The Fog of Truth. And we talk about uh, documentaries. Uh, most weeks we're on our seventh, uh, seventh season and our first wow. episode of that season dropped yesterday. So, uh, and that's a, a really fun thing to do. And um, uh, one of my co-hosts of that is Christopher Llewellyn Reed is a really great journalist about film and film critic and, um, and a filmmaker as well. Um, and uh, so I, I also, aside from, um, from, you know, the festival work I do, I produce a TV show on KERA television called Frame of Mind, which runs Thursday nights from now until Thanksgiving. In fact, we're recording this on Thursday, September 26th. And at two hours from now, there will be an episode of Frame of Mind on oh, awesome. television. So if you've not checked out Frame of Mind, 
They're great episodes from Texas filmmakers, and there are all kinds of amazing programs. Um, you can't believe documentaries, drama, um, things from all over. It's kind of very cool and kind of great. And it's amazing, you know, people come to festivals, but way more people can watch things on television. And it's a really mm -hmm. great way to bring the work of Texas filmmakers right to people's home. And I'm working on four films. One of them completely revolutionizes the way that we see serial narrative on mobile devices, but that's a subject for another day. Oh, that's awesome. You're a busy person. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. But all these all these things that I'm doing are really fun and great. It's kind of a good time to be alive, and there's so many opportunities and so many wonderful films to see and so many wonderful films to make. And um, you know, it's uh, we live in very interesting times, and the media have a real uh, place to play in this. And you know, our, our festival, DocuFest, of course, is about documentary films, and. This notion about documentary, it's really, you know, on one hand become very popular in, you know, used to be 10 years ago, you would very rarely see a documentary in, in a commercial movie theater. And now mm -hmm. most, you know, metro, you know, uh, large theaters have one documentary playing sometimes more than one. The Magnolia Theater in Dallas has been really great at showing documentaries, as does the Texas Theater, as does Alamo. I mean, they're, they're all the theaters and the Angelica are showing a good amount of documentaries. Um, in fact, uh, this weekend, um, there's this wonderful, uh, uh, the birth of cool, the Miles Davis film, um, and, uh, Miles Davis's son is doing a Q and a at the Angelica. And that's a really wonderful thing uh, to catch actually Saturday. Um, if, if this drops before then in Fort Worth, for those of you in the, in Fort Worth, um, uh, I don't know if, if you know Gordon Parks, um, famous filmmaker and also a photographer. Um, and so while he's known for his narrative work, um, we found some of his early documentaries that made for public television. And so we have a program of those from one to three, Gordon Parks, short documentaries. And that's on Saturday at the Amon Carter Museum. And while I'm in Fort Worth, do you know that there's a new um, – a new micro cinema in Fort Worth. No, I didn't know about that. No. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, well, I haven't been there yet. The grand, the grand berry or something like that. It's like, a. I think I've heard about it. I think somebody actually reached out to me about that. Aren't they showing that Anton Yelchin documentary this yeah. week? And, and, yeah. and I mean, I just want to go and see the, the space. I, um, but anyway, so that's, that's a really, you know, exciting thing that Fort Worth is getting, you know, another way to show independent films. I mean, we're mm -hmm. so spoiled in Dallas and having such great <laughs> theaters, are. you know, it's like, um, it's like the Texas theater is like a film festival every weekend, you know, there's seriously, yeah, their, uh, their program is magnificent. The Angelica Magnolia, the, the Alamos there, there, all these theaters that we have are very aggressive at bringing very important films to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I mean, we are indeed blessed that there are so many options for us to see. Yeah, every time I attend one of those events somewhere at like the Texas uh, Theater um, afterward, after I've posted about it, people always go, oh, I didn't know this was going on. And it's like, you got to get off your couch. You got to get out there and go to these movie theaters. Because like you said, they have content constantly that is just so fun and so fulfilling and oftentimes the you know filmmakers are there just like with this with DocuFest um 
go ahead and uh, I guess tell us a little bit about this year. I I do want to say too that DocuFest is probably my favorite oh, of the Dallas thank you. Video Fest. I I just I love documentaries, and you know on this show we talk a lot about people's favorite movies, and those don't tend to be documentaries. Um, because people think about movies that they grew up with and things like that. But documentaries have a big, you know, soft spot in my heart because I, I watched a ton of them. And now it's, you know, they're more accessible than ever, like you said. And I think this festival is a great way to go out and see stuff before it's released. A lot of times I tell people, you know, oh, there's this great documentary coming out. And I tell them about it and they go, where can I see it? And I'm like, well, it's actually on the uh you know film circuit or the film festival circuit right now so the best way to see it is at one of these film festivals so absolutely so um let me just run through uh, some of that we have so many programs actually we <laughs> not as many when we used to do just one festival we had four theaters running at the same time and oh, wow you know it, now now aside from thursday and friday nights we really have two fest two theaters at once and um uh but there are a number of really, you know, uh, wonderful films, and I'm going to sort of go by day, if you don't mind. Sure. And on Thursday night, uh, have you ever read the work of Flannery O'Connor? I have not, no. Okay, very famous Southern writer, probably one of the most famous Southern writers ever. And um, this is really wonderful documentary by Elizabeth Kaufman, who researched this for years and had some wonderful animation. And it's really um, somebody who I know, somebody listening out there saying, oh, I love Flannery O'Connor's writing. And I had to read it in, like, you know, middle school, and now I absolutely love <laughs> it. Uh, but... Um, that's it, and it's one of those things that um, you know is very important. If you don't know about it, there are several things here. If you didn't know about it, you didn't come to our festival. You'd never know about some of the people that are here. But somebody you might know about is Have you ever heard of a guy named Tony Romo? He's he's a quarterback from some. <laughs> I think of, I've heard of him. Of some <laughs> used to be a quarterback for some obscure football team. Anyway, right. uh, so this guy, um, I believe he lives in San Antonio, made a feature lens documentary. Uh, about his life. And um, if you're not a major like documentary hardcore aficionado, at least the Tony Romo film, Now or Never, a Tony Romo story is really kind of good. But right after that, we have a women's women's work, uh, The NFL Cheerleaders Problem. And it's a film about how mm -hmm. the NFL cheerleaders have been taken advantage of for so oh, long. Yeah. And they're not. And so there was this court case and it follows some of the women who are involved in running the court case and um, and what their lives are like. And it's very, very powerful. And then, yes, one more film on Thursday night. Um, so uh, did, did, did you know who D.A. Pennybaker was? Um, mm -hmm. He's a very famous documentary filmmaker, one of the early uh, important American documentary filmmakers. And, and uh, he made the Bob Dylan film, uh, uh, Don't, oh, okay. Don't Look Back, and has a famous scene in it, and many others. He died recently. And so we wanted to do a, a tribute to him and we were trying to pick one of the films to watch and there were some of them like 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 don't, i mean some of these have been seen over and over again but a film that hasn't been seen for a long time and because he died a couple of years ago um he did this film of ziggy stardust and the spiders from spiders from mars and this is the last live
live performance of this film. And Penny wow. Baker, that was just happened to be the one he was able uh, to shoot. And for any David Bowie fans, um, to see this in a good looking theater and a good looking print um, is going to be like quite a treat. And so wow. that's a very cool thing. And that's just Thursday on Friday night. Um, there's it's very famous if you're interested in. A choreography, a dance choreography. Uh, Merce Cunningham is one of the most influential names there is. And um, uh, Merce Cunningham, there's a film called Cunningham We're Showing. And what they did is they they found his previous dancers, got some of this classic choreography and filmed it in 3D. Wow. And, you know, sometimes when you have 3D, it's just kind of whiz-bang stuff. But the idea <laughs> of, like, choreography and working in space and having that in 3D actually, you know, makes a lot of sense. And it's really, you know, kind yeah. of powerful. And then after that, we have Varda by Agnes, which is uh, Agnes Varda's very famous uh, French New Wave director who is, you know, had a somewhat of a resurgence. And um, what she did in, in this film is uh, someone filmed her like going around the world talking about her film. So essentially it's her film discussions about her films, but everywhere. It's like you cut to a sequence and then she's in front of like an opera house and then she's in front of a small theater. So it's like you're seeing her talk about her films around the world. Oh. And then uh, uh, we have an, uh, last year, Earl Morris had this film that played at the New York Film Festival called American Dharma. Do you remember this? This is the film about Steve Bannon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that I saw it, but nope. I remember it being talked about. For right. Sure. Nobody saw it because nobody <laughs> distributed it because there was such oh. a backlash about, you know, we hate Steve Bannon. Why give Steve Bannon oxygen and why let yeah. why do you let him? But um, finally, the film is starting to, you know, get out there a bit. And I, I, I got to see um, a copy of it. And it really is a fascinating film. Um, Bannon is like very influenced by films. And one of the films he talks about being influenced by is 12 O'Clock High. And so in the film, he creates the set the 12 o'clock high was filmed in, which is this uh, like Air Force barrack. And so the whole film is like in the context of the world in which Bannon thinks. And it's really mm -hmm. kind of an innovative way to think about how his mind worked. And so I, I, I really kind of, um, I, I thought it was worth seeing and, and discussing. And also on Friday night, we have this wonderful film called Midnight Traveler, which is a big hit at, um, at, at, at Sundance this year. And it's about this uh, Iranian director who uh, did something about the Taliban and the Taliban wanted to kill him. So he had to leave. And so he documented his family using a mobile device, leaving and trying to get their way to safety. And what's great about this film is aside from the danger of like trying to hide and not getting killed by the Taliban, you see all these wonderful moments of, of a family on the road, traveling, having fun. So it like vacillates between the fun and the, and the danger of, of what that's about. Um, let me just hit a few more. Cause they're there. I could, I could talk for a long time and there's so many, <laughs> no worries. you know, I totally they all sound amazing. 
Uh, so on Saturday or Saturday night at eight thirty, um, we have this really wonderful program. And anybody who loves film, which is anybody who's still listening to the podcast, um, <laughs> should see. Um, so there's a name that you probably don't know. This is a theme of uh, DocuFest. This name, a name you don't know but should. Um, <laughs> it's a guy named Chuck Workman. And Chuck Workman, who's a member of the Motion Picture Academy, has made for years these incredible montages. Last year at DocuFest, we showed this this montage he did of documentary film called Moments in Truth. And it really kind of in like eight minutes summed up the history of documentary. He made this film years ago called Precious, Im Precious Images, which was kind of a short history of motion pictures. Um, and over the years, any fascinating montage that you saw at the Oscars, like about, about the beauty of words and, you know, about writers or uh, any of those things were ones that were done by Chuck Workman. He's just mm -hmm. this incredible, like poetic editor that is magnificent. And so he's showing like four of his short compilations, but he's also showing, he's also made several films, a documentary about Andy Warhol. So this is somebody people have heard about called Superstar, The Life and Times of Andy Warhol. Um, so that's the evening with Chuck Workman. And that is like not to be missed by any stretch of the imagination. Um, okay, one of the bizarrest, strangest, oddest films that we have is, ready for this? It's called yeah. Mi Mr. Toilet, The World's <laughs> Number Two Man. And interesting. I'm intrigued. <laughs> so this is a film about this guy who um, has somehow got the idea that one of the world's problems is in third world countries, they don't have toilets. So he uh, starts his foundation and they go around the world to these third world countries trying to convince people that having a toilet is the much better way to live than just messing mm. up the streams and having like, you know, people die from having bad water um, because people are, you know, going in the streams. So he gets uh, this contract to go to, to India and to get, go into small communities and get people to have toilets. And you would not think that environmental film would be about getting toilets out in the world. But indeed it is, and it works really beautifully. Uh, I'll do a couple of quickly. There's a film called Ernie and Joe about two policemen in San Antonio who are, are part of this unit that um, the mental health unit. So when there's somebody who's acting up and they're a bit odd, instead of having the normal police go out and try to handle it, this, this team goes out and they diffuse the situation and then they follow up with these people and try and get help for these people. So instead of sending these people to jail or putting your guns out first and escalating problems, San Antonio has set the tone for how police departments can deal with mental health, mental health issues. And it's a very, oh, very- I love that. That's so great. I think that's something that, you know, a lot of times when I've had discussions with people about police brutality, they often say, well, they did everything right. They did what they were trained to do. Yes. And, you know, my answer to that is always, well, we, we really need to take a closer look at that because, you know, escalating the situation to the point of pulling a gun out is not, in my opinion, a great way to handle- you know, every situation, particularly when the person has mental health problems. So yeah, I, I really like that. That's really interesting. Absolutely. And there is a scene in the film where these two guys, Ernie and Joe, 
go to a training and they talk to trainees exactly about that point that you don't have to pick up your gun. It's like, that's not the first thing you need to do because these people are not going to harm you and somebody just needs to talk to them and have respect mm -hmm. for them and, you know, create a dialogue and then you can talk them down and stop them from being a danger to themselves and to anybody else. Um, we have this really wonderful film called uh, White Right Meeting um, the Enemy, which is about this woman who is uh, uh, is obviously progressive and a foreigner. And she um, interviews all of these people from all the leaders of these uh, uh, white supremacist and neo-Nazi groups and asks them why they feel that way. And she says, as, as, as a woman of color and uh, as, as, as a Muslim, uh, like, do you, why do you hate me? And she like, like ask, and then they say, you know, I don't hate you. And, you know, they kind of makes them sort of challenge their own belief when they see somebody in front of them that is calm right. and reasonable. And it, it's a really very, you know, well-made film. And it really kind of makes you think about how there are some uh, possibility. We have a wonderful film called uh, Renegade Dreamers, which um, is about, you know, in, in, in the 60s when there were all these uh, great poets in New York and, uh, and, and, and folk singers like Bob Dylan and... Um, uh, Allen Ginsberg, uh, and there was this whole culture about sort of progressive ideology and art. And there's a new generation now in New York City of folk singers singing on the streets and poets in coffee houses that are referencing but changing the early work in the 60s and bringing progressive ideologies to the streets of Manhattan. And uh, it's very kind of uh, beautiful, hopeful. And, um, uh, you know, there are people in Dallas that are doing this, particularly as a group called Diverse Lounge that does some things that are very similar, but it's really kind of, you know, it's wonderful to sort of see that. Uh, we got yeah. a short a film called Alternative Facts, which is about the, um, the Japanese internment camps um, that were in the United States. And it's a ch chapter of American history that most people know very little about. They know they were there, but they don't know how or why. And uh, I believe that we are going to have somebody there who was in the camps and I'll have a good, uh, uh, good chance to answer that. Um, I don't know if you know somebody named Alan Berliner, but he's one of my favorite documentary filmmakers and he doesn't make very many films and he has a new film called letter to the editor. Uh, we're almost to the end. There are only a few more. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's this, a film called citizen blue and this is back to that. There's a filmmaker whose work is very important and very influential, particularly here in the state of Texas, um, that nobody in Dallas knows about and has ever heard of. And the guy's name is James Blue. And uh, James Blue uh, uh, did a lot of work in Los Angeles and, uh, and for the USIA and created a very, very, very important film called The March, which was about the, uh, the Martin Luther King March on Washington. And any footage you've seen from that, and I'm sure you've seen footage of all the people with those signs and mm -hmm. the speech, came from his film, which is wow. a really beautiful sense of people gathering, why they gathered, what happened. And people have seen these shots from them, but have not seen the film. But then 
after doing that, he did several dramatic films. He did other documentary films. He moved to Houston and he started the Rice Media Center, which is still going on today, and taught people and was very influential. And then created an organization in Houston called the Southwest Alternate Media Project, which was one of the first media arts centers in the country where he was able to get equipment to independent filmmakers. In those days, it was very expensive to have a camera and an editing system. So they created ways in which people could make films. And then they also produced a show uh, to show that work. So uh, Southwest Alternative Media Project, otherwise known as Swamp, was started by this guy, James Blue. So he was a very influential person. But again, as I said, like said several times here, one of these people that uh, is very important to the history of cinema and somebody that most people don't know about. Now, have you ever heard of the Bolex camera? No, I don't think I have. Or if I have, maybe I haven't heard it by that name. Maybe okay. I've heard about it. So yeah. uh, in the early days of experimental film and, and, and independent film, and, and uh, there was this camera, it still exists today, it was a Swiss camera called the Bolex. And a lot of the independent filmmakers in the 60s and 70s used these cameras. It was a spring-wound camera, and it was really wonderful because it was inexpensive and 60 millimeter and it uh you could backwind it so you could do superimpositions and dissolves you could do animation and you were able to sort of craft so this wonderful film that a lot of people do a lot of camera that people use and so this this filmmaker who is in film school and she's going through her great-grandfather's stuff and finds this Bolex camera, and she discovers her great-grandfather made this very iconic, important camera. So she goes on this journey to find out who he was and how he came about making this. And it's a fascinating story. He grew up in Russia, went to Switzerland, did not have a passport because he was Jewish. Um, and to leave, um, he, he went to the United States. In Switzerland, he invented the Bolex, and then created cameras that were used in the uh, aircraft in World War II. I mean, it is a really fascinating story of family, but also it goes through the history of the camera and how that camera affected um, everything that we know uh, about that. Then we have a film called After Munich, which is about um, the Munich Olympics, where a lot of several, most of the um, Israeli uh, athletes were killed in the aftermath of that and has some of the survivors and family members um, and talks about them. And then finally, the very last program of this DocuFest is a wonderful film by Dallas filmmaker Alan Governor. And Alan Governor's films play all over the world and generally at in Dallas play at the Dallas Video Fest. And uh, right now, this film, Tattoo Uprising, is playing in New York City. It's gotten great reviews and it's doing very, very well. And we hope that people will come and see this. And there's essentially, it's not quite a history of tattooing, although it goes into Alan's history as a documentary filmmaker, because his first film, Stoney Knows How, was about tattooing. Um, but really about what the art of tattooing is and who these people are that have done the most important and great tattoos. A really wonderful film and, you know, kind of sums up uh, what we're doing at our festival. And that is it. Just, you know, <laughs> is that not like a whole bunch of great documentary films stuck into four days? And we're going to have many of these filmmakers here to hang out with and to meet and to talk to and to learn from. 
It's going to be a truly, truly remarkable experience. And all of it, every single thing will be at the Angelica Film Center. Yeah, I love that. It's all in one place. And, you know, I've, I've kind of... In the past, I've tried to get a couple friends to some of the, you know, to see some of the documentary specifically, and they were kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then later, they end up seeing them on, you know, Netflix if they get right. uh, picked up and distributed. And then they're like, oh, wow, I love that. And I and my thought is always, you know, you could have seen the filmmaker. You could have asked them all the questions you probably have. So it's just such a good opportunity to go out and do that. And uh, you know, getting a festival pass is like fifty dollars. But I also love that you guys have the option to watch film blocks. And I know I've done that too, even if I was busy and I couldn't go to every day. If you pay $10, you can go to a film block and basically that's, you know, a few shorts and then a feature typically. And that can be a good way to at least get some of those uh, films. And and like I said, they tend to have a pretty big impact. And I know we've talked a lot. We've kind of sped through the schedule, but I will post that in the show notes. So if you guys want to go take a look that way, whether you are able to attend the festival or not, you can at least go look and see some of the, uh, you know, just kind of track some of those films and maybe catch them at a location near you as well. Well, great, great. Thank you. And and if you like, you know, documentaries, please uh, check out our podcast, The Fog of Truth. Oh, yeah. I'm a subscriber. I love that. Doc- I love that podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, we talk about documentaries, but oftentimes the best parts of the show are me and Chris, like discussing things and kind of joking with each other. I recall from last year, don't you guys have like a, a general theme that that the the weekend's kind of centered around? Do you have that this time around? Or Well, I, I, I never set out to have a theme, but there are clearly, um, there, there's a lot of films about the art of film, you know, and then there's just mm-hmm. films about artists in general. Um, and then we ov- obviously have some films that deal with the moment, like The Midnight Travel, Traveler. You know, we're in a place where um, the truth in general is under, you know, under doubt. People don't believe things that are true. And we have a president who lies every day. And documentaries are a way of really spending some time with the truth and thinking about what is real and trying to understand the world in a better way. And that's what we really try to do. Well, that's so, it's so great that, like you said, we have so much content here in, in the DFW area. There's something going on all the time. And this is just a festival I really don't think you want to miss. Um, do you have anything else that's coming up after this oh one? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say a long list. If you want to mention one or so, two, um, you can. <laughs> you know, every year we do this Ernie Kovacs Award. And oh, I love that one too. That's like probably my second favorite, or maybe maybe it's tied. Honestly, I like both. So that'll be uh, actually, we have a very, very special guest who I cannot announce yet, but it's it's the 100th year of Ernie Kovacs. So we're going to do a program of Ernie Kovacs, a whole program of Ernie Kovacs work on television, which will be really kind of great. And then we have this very, very, very special guest. One of our best Ooh. Kovacs guests ever who had a major impact on comedy, especially from the UK. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm getting so excited listening to this. Um, well, let's just say, well, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say <laughs> that it'll be a big deal. It will be at the Texas Theater. I think it's December 4th or 3rd or 4th, but it'll be in December and it'll be a really big deal. Alternative Fiction, our narrative series will be the first weekend in February. 
and uh, and then, like I said, we have the TV show, which goes on Thursday nights until um, Thanksgiving. That's wonderful. Well, I do want to plug really quick what you were talking about, uh, the Ernie Kovacs Award. Just so you guys know, last couple of years, last year, it was Amy Sedaris. Yeah. And then before that, it was uh, Kids in the Hall. And, and so, before that, big names. Michael Nesmith. And we've had a lot of really amazing people over the years. Pee Wee Herman was a really great one. Um, and uh, Mike Judd. We, we've had a lot of like wonderful it's it's a fun evening and if you don't know who ernie kovacs is this year you'll get a chance to actually see his work and the way i like to put it he's the first person to discover the art of television comedy that people before him would get up and tell jokes and he would use the medium of television to tell the joke and mm-hmm. um and so everything you see on late night television is derivative of ernie kovacs yeah, it's I'm you know, I keep mentioning all these fandoms like, oh, I love movies. Oh, I love documentaries. Comedy is another one for me. Listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. So that's that's another one of my favorite events for sure. Well, thank you so much, Bart. Thanks again. All right. Very good. Thank you. 